The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. I hope and pray the study over these five weeks here on Sunday mornings and for many of you in small groups. We had over 600 adults participating in small groups doing this study for the last month. And in those studies, I pray that you've been given a greater appreciation for the universal church, that is, all believers from all time. And I pray that you've been given appreciation, a greater appreciation for the local church, that is, the churches throughout Central Texas and our state and our communities, and that you've been given a great appreciation for TBC and what the Lord's doing here. And we say to God be the glory, great things he has done as we seek to honor him and lift him up as his church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the church. We thank you for the savior of the church. We thank you for this idea which was yours in eternity past. And Father, as we come together to worship this day in your church, I pray that you will be made famous, that you will be lifted up, and that you'll be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So far, we've seen in our study of the church that this grand, glorious scheme of God is the way that he offers eternal life to the world, the way he offers abundant life to us, and the way that he gives hope in the midst of a world filled with chaos. But the problem with the church, as we've admitted, it's led by imperfect people. And when you have imperfect people leading imperfect people, it's like any family, uh, it's going to struggle at times. And as we look at the church in particular, one of the problems is it's led by imperfect people who are often confused about the church's mission and sometimes uncertain about the church's purpose. In fact, if I were to pass out index cards, if I put your phone number up here and said, text to, text, or if I put my phone number and said, text to me what you think the purpose of the church is, what would you say? And we're going to talk about that in a second because we need to know why we're here, why it is we do what we do. Why does we gather week after week? Why do you give money? Why do you spend time, invest your time? Why do we do these things? What is it that God has called us to do? I love the baptism videos. Didn't you love that? I mean, if you've been with us over the past year, we started using the, the, the new baptismal pool out back and over 60 folks have been baptized to the glory of God this year. And I love it because we scream, we shout, we cheer because of the work that God's doing. But why is it we don't just hold these folks under and send the glory? I mean, why? why? Why don't these dads just say, you know, now that you know Jesus, I'm going to hold you underwater and you're gone. Why is that? Why are you here? Why has God left you here? What is the purpose of the church and what's your purpose? So I want to take week five of our study in ecclesiology, a study of the church, and address that. Specifically talk about Temple Bible Church. We've talked about the church in general. We've talked about the church in particular. We've talked about the history of the church. We've talked about missions. And I, I thought Chase did a magnificent job last week. Each of the guys, Shannon the week before, Dave Tate the week before, as we split up the task of talking about the church. And so I, I have the privilege to, to talk about Temple Bible Church this morning. A place that I love, a place that Bev and I and our family have dedicated our lives to, a place that we think God is working and the future is brighter than the past. But what does God wants us to do? Why are we here? What's our mission? What's our purpose? We won't be confused about that, do we? You remember the story of the little boy who his, he got a new bow and arrow for Christmas and his dad said, I want you to go in the backyard and practice. And so uh, he went out and about an hour later, he said, dad, I want you to see something. 
And the dad came out and there on the fence were six different bullseyes. And the arrow from each one of that quiver were right in the middle. And he said, son, how in the world did you do that? I mean, you just got the bow and arrow. He said, it's easy, dad. You pull the bow, you hit the arrow into the fence, and then you paint around it. <laughs> my fear is we do a lot of painting at times. And my fear is that uh, sometimes we just kind of shoot an arrow and say, hey, everything's good. There are a lot of good things. So if Jesus were to write a letter to us as he wrote to the letters uh, or the churches in Asia Minor, Revelation 2 or 3, what would he say to us? I commend you for this, but I challenge you to do this. And so I'm going to quickly move through our message and our mission and hopefully talk about those specific things as they apply to us. And so we look at the church this morning. God's church. What's the point of the church? Stan, Andy Stanley is a pastor in Atlanta, one of the biggest churches in America, and uh, they were having a huge Easter service at the convention center in Atlanta. He said it's at the most uh, traveled intersection all of Atlanta, I-75 and I-285, and there are literally tens of thousands of cars that pass that way every day. And he said, I got up Easter Sunday morning. I was going to be the first one there to arrive, make sure things were in place, meet with my team and stuff. And he pastors North Park Community Church, North Point Community Church, North Point Community Church. And he said, this is the big Easter Sunday. We're expecting thousands of people. There are tens of thousands of people have driven by to, to see the announcement on the marquee. Uh, and so, so we're North Point Community Church. He said, I drove up that Easter Sunday morning expecting literally over 10,000 people to be there in the Atlanta Convention Center. I drove up, the electric marquee read, No Point Community Church. <laughs> Instead of North Point, somebody had gotten confused and they put up No Point. As we look at the landscape of the church in America, we don't want to be that church, do we? And Stanley writes in one of his books, he says this, as I looked at that sign, I recognized that's an issue with a lot of churches. We have lost our point. The signage made me laugh, but it also provided me with a subtle reminder to stay focused and ask the question, what's the point? Why are we here? Why do we do what we do? What's the purpose? So that's the journey I want to take you on this morning. The first question we want to answer is, what is our message? Our message, what do we believe? What do we believe? October 31st is, uh, what, what's October 31st? You know what it is. What is it? Halloween. You know what else it is? 500th anniversary of the Reformation. So October 31st, while many people are celebrating Halloween, it's also the 500th anniversary when Martin Luther nailed his 95 Theses to the doors of the Wittenberg Church in protest for what the church was doing. If you want to know what we believe doctrinally, that's not a bad place to start. In that doctrine, he talked about sola scriptura, that is the authority of the church comes from the word of God alone, the scriptures, sola fide, faith alone, salvation is by faith alone, sola gratia, it's by grace alone, that is God is the one who gives us the grace, he is the one who initiates salvation, he brings about salvation, sola Christos, there's no salvation apart from Christ, he is the one who provides salvation, and sola deo gratia, to the glory of God alone, that as we live our lives not to please people, People, but to glorify God and to lift him up. Those are the five souls. If you want an extended doctrinal statement of TBC, you can go to our website, you can, down, you can see it, you can download it, you can study it, you can look at it, but that's not a bad encapsulation of what we believe. Now, there are many other things we believe, but specifically, what do we believe about the church? What do we believe about the church? If you were with us the first week that I preached, we believe that the church is that which Christ gave his life for. 
We saw in Matthew 16, Christ is playing 20 questions with the disciples. He said, uh, who do people say that I am? And the disciples answered, some believe you're Elijah, some John the Baptist, one of the great prophets. And he turned on them and said, but who do you believe that I am? And you remember Peter's answer. Peter said, thou art the what? Thou art the Christ, quote it with me, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, upon that confession, I will what? Build my church. It's the first time the word church is used in the scriptures. It's Matthew 16, Christ is well into his ministry. The word church doesn't appear anywhere in the scriptures up until then. So you go all the way from Genesis to Matthew 16 and you never see the word church. We saw the word church as ecclesia. It's a compound Greek word, meaning those that are called out. It was common in the ancient world for the Greeks and the Romans. You might be called out to protect your city. You might be called out to meet a dignitary. You might be called out to vote. You might be called out because of VIPs coming to town, but you are called out and you respond to that call. That's the church. We respond to the call of Christ. If you didn't respond in those days, they had a word for you. Remember what that word was? What was that word? The idiotes, the idiots. You didn't come. The call went out. You didn't follow. It's a a, a pretty good word, isn't it? And so the good news is this, the gospel is a call that goes out to all of us. You don't have to be an idiotes. You can respond to the call of Jesus. And we saw that early on. We believe that the church is Christ-centered. Apart from Christ, there is no church. But we also believe the church is to be led by uh, godly folks who have been called elders, deacons, and we also have staff at TBC. So we have elders. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, or let me, let me back up. The church has been called to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. When Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, he was talking about Peter's confession. And I submit to you that he has built his church and is building his church. He's in the process of doing that. This is a map of the Sea of Galilee region. So if you look to the west side of the Sea of Galilee, that's to the left, you'll see the city of Tiberias. And if you go further up north on the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum. Capernaum is where Jesus based his ministry. It's where Peter was from. And Jesus based his ministry out of Capernaum. Born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, but based his ministry out of Capernaum. If you were to travel with us to the Sea of Galilee, and you were to come on the Sea of Galilee, we have stayed in the past in the Tiberias region. We don't stay there anymore, but from Tiberias to Capernaum, we take a boat out of Tiberias onto the Sea of Galilee. And when you see Galilee, our guide does this. He says, I want you to extend your hand to Tiberias, and I want you to extend your other hand to Capernaum. By land, that's about seven miles. So if you were to take the route along the Sea of Galilee, there's a road there from Tiberias to Capernaum, it's about seven miles. And you can be in a boat in the Sea of Galilee and see the lights of Tiberias, and you can see the city of Capernaum over here, seven miles. That's from here to Troy, okay? From here to Troy. Why don't you do that with me? Here to Troy. You got it? Seven miles, roughly. 70% of the Gospels take place right there. Did you hear what I said? In those seven miles, 70% of the accounts that you read in the Gospels took place right there. That is a localized, regionalized religion. But Jesus said, upon that rock, I will build my church. So he gave 12 fishermen the responsibility to take that good news. And there were some others that became disciples, the followers of Christ. So he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Has that happened? 
Well, the latest statistics I could find were from uh, our map, the latest map I could find. Statistics are from this past year. Currently, there are 2.2 billion people in our world that claim to be Christians. You know, that's Christians of every flavor, of every stripe. So I'm not here to argue, are they really believers? And I'm just saying, those are people from uh, churches that claim to be Christian. 2.2 billion, largest religion in the world. From seven miles in the Sea of Galilee to 2.2 billion people. The nations you see in Maroon up here are nations that are predominantly Christian. 2.2 million. Here's an interesting statistic. The second largest religion right now is Islam, 1.6 million people. It's also the fastest growing religion in the world. But when Jesus told his disciples, upon this rock, I will build my church, this is where it was. This little localized region, 12 fishermen. And from that came this. And so when we talk about the church, the universal church, we're talking about all believers of all time. We talk about the local church, that is the, 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 the body we choose to associate with and be a part of. We're talking about what God does through us. And the reality of it is God has given elders, deacons, and we have staff here as well to execute the, uh, the vision of the elders. So it says to the elders among you, this First Peter 5, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's sufferings, share, who share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care. So the elders have been given the responsibility to be the shepherds of the body, to oversee the body. Our elders are 12 elders at TBC. They oversee the spiritual aspect of the body. We also have deacons. Acts chapter 6 talks about the precursor to deacons. There was a battle between widows who was being served and who was not of different ethnic backgrounds. And so deacons were appointed basically men to wait tables and make sure everything was done fairly. And then in 1, Peter, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus 1, we read about the qualifications for these folks. And one thing I'll remind you, when the word elder is used in the Bible, there are three different words for elders. Or for elders. And they're always plural, they're always masculine. So at TBC, we have a plurality of elders. It's not led by a single person. Gary DeSalvo is not the leader of this church. The elders have the vision that's given to them by God before this church. And then the deacons have the responsibility to care for the physical things. The staff have the privilege to execute the vision that's set by the elders. And we work in conjunction with one another. And then by God's grace, we equip the saints to do the work of the ministry that God has called us to do. So we are staff lean intentionally because what we've discovered over the years in church history, as well as the current church in America, is the more staff you add, you take the, hand, the ministry out of the hands of the people and you put it in the hands of the clergy. But God has called us all to equip so that you can be involved in the high privilege of doing ministry. That's why right now at TBC, there are 50 plus small groups that meet weekly led by you. If you walk right now into the children's ministry building, we've got this hour, about 350 kids back there typically on this hour alone. And if you walk back there, what you'll find is people just like you, people wearing launch pad t-shirts like you see right here with Jan and the other folks in this building. And the reality of it is this ministry is made up of folks like you and me who serve together. We're a volunteer army. That's what God's called us to do. That's the message. That's who we are. That's what we're about. That, that's the message of the church. We want to be God's people doing what God has called us to do, honoring him together. Now, because we're an imperfect people, I need to address that for a second, and we're imperfect leaders, one of my biggest heartbreaks, and you guys know I've had the privilege of being here in this pulpit for 36 and a half years. As your pastor, one of my biggest heartbreaks is when we, the people of the church, wound one another. 
that when you hear people who get wounded in church and, and you know, I, I recognize that I'm an imperfect person. I've got feet of clay. And by the way, that's a metaphor. My feet are not actually clay. They're like your feet. But you know what I mean. And I'm here today to say, I'm sure over the years, I've hurt numerous people and I'm deeply sorry for that. Not for preaching the word and speaking truth. I'll never apologize for that. But I'm sure there are times that I've been insensitive, uncaring, spoken hastily, and spoken judgmentally. And I think for any of us, it's a great heartbreak when we hurt somebody. And so I'm here to just say I'm sorry if that's happened to you for me. Talk to me. I'll be glad to reconcile. I'll be glad to reconcile. Pulpit shouldn't be a place for insensitivity and not caring. Unless you're teasing Aggies, Longhorns, Bears, Red Raiders, Sooners. And... <laughs> yeah, we need to laugh and have a great time in the midst of it, though, don't we? I mean, I've also learned you can't tease people from Arkansas, Mississippi, or Alabama because they're all related. <laughs> but I'm running out of material up here after all these years. But, you know, here's the reality. I, I love you guys. Man, this is, we have given our lives to serving the Savior and honoring you. And our staff team stands united in that. And our elders and deacons. I mean, we've got men and women who function and give hours and hours, and you give thousands and thousands, millions of dollars here. And, and we say, we hope we're a family that will love one another, serve one another, and care for one another. We don't always get it right. I can tell you, I don't always get it right. But that's our passion, to make Jesus famous in our midst. Matthew chapter 28, you got your Bibles, you got your apps, I'd like for you to turn there. Because the next question is, what's the mission of the church? Why do we do what we do? What's the purpose of the church? Matthew 28, Jesus is meeting with disciples before he ascends into heaven. And he gives them and he gives us a command. Beginning in verse 16, it's called the Great Commission. Many of you have this memorized. In verse 16, the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee as 11 because Judas is gone. They proceeded to the mountain that Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. I wish we had time to develop that. I've developed in the past. Some were doubtful. Imagine that. After they've seen the resurrected Christ, there's still some doubt. It, it, it speaks a whole lot about uh, what was happening. But I want to focus on verses 18 through 20. Jesus came to them and spoke and said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so when I look at the Great Commission, there's some things I just want to point out. First of all, the authority to carry out the commission is given to us by Jesus. He is the one with authority. He says, all authority has been given to me and I'm commissioning you to do this. He says, all authority. We've looked at that word numerous times in the past. It's been a number of years since we've talked about this, I think. But that, that particular word, there's the word for power, which is dunamis. That we get the word dynamite from it. That's not the word Jesus uses here. He uses a different Greek word. He uses the word exousia. It's the word that means right and might. So Jesus says, all authority. All might has been given to me and all right has been given to me. And I've used this illustration many times before. Today, if you turned on the television and you watched a football game, you would see 300-pound linemen lining up and hitting one another. You'd see wide receivers and cornerbacks fleet-footed running after one another. You would see halfbacks taking the ball and getting creamed by linebackers probably. And those are strong men, mighty men, well-trained men, well-conditioned men, 
but they have dunamis, they have power. The person who has exousia may be the smallest guy out there. He may be the oldest guy out there. He's the guy with a striped shirt and a whistle, right? We, we got a Hall of Fame coach out there. Coach McQueen, is that right? I mean, that referee, he controlled it all. You wished you did on the sidelines and your kids did on the field, but that little dude with the whistle and the cap and the striped shirt controlled it because he has exousia, right? He has might and he has right. And Jesus said, I've got the might and I've got the right and I'm giving that to you. So that's the authority of the commission. The authority of the commission is Jesus. The, the task of the commission is interesting. It's to make disciples. It's to make disciples. Let me give you a little English lesson. You'll remember this. So an I-N-G word is a what? Remember what that is? How many English teachers out there? Let me see your hands. English teacher, how many of you flunked English like I almost did? Yeah. So an I-N-G word is what? A participle. Say that word with me. You don't have anything out there. Bunch of smart people don't know anything. Okay, participle. So there are three participles in those particular verses. And participles support the main verb. So what do you think the main verb is? Go? How many of you say go? How many of you say baptize? How many of you say teach? How many of you know you just got it all wrong? <laughs> Make disciples. Going, baptizing, teaching. The main verb is make disciples. How do you make disciples? By going, baptizing, teaching. So the function that the task we have been given is to make disciples as a church. And by the way, the church is not me. The church is you. The church is us. The authority is Jesus. The task is to make disciples. The extent of it is how far? Temple, Belton, Salado, Rogers Academy, Buckholtz. All what? Nations. The word nations there is an interesting word. It's not the word cosmos, which we get world from. It's ethnos. All the ethnic groups of the world. Jesus isn't concerned about borders. He's concerned about people. Doesn't matter what nation it is. It matters about the people within that nation. And so Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. I'm checking out. I'm headed back to the Father. I'm going to be ascended. You're going to do greater works than I have done. And those greater works are to make disciples. Now, how do we do that? Many years ago, we established something we called the four E's at TBC. We haven't used those or looked at them in a long time. We do it by going, baptizing, teaching. We kind of put it this way, evangelizing. Evangelizing is sharing the good news of the gospel with other people. That's the privilege we have. Amen? When you saw those people being baptized last Sunday, we had a dozen people baptized last Sunday. When you saw them being baptized, somebody spoke to them the good news of the gospel. You had fathers baptizing sons. You had a grandfather baptizing a granddaughter. You had a husband baptizing a wife. You had a junior high pastor baptizing uh, junior high students. I was out there baptizing. So it, what you have are people that have responded to the good news of the gospel. Let me ask you a question. Do you still believe in that? Do you believe you have the privilege and the responsibility of telling people about Jesus? Do you believe it? Let me see your hand if you believe that. Okay, hands down. Do you do it? Do you do it? Do you tell people about your Savior? See, there are a lot of good moral people out there and 
they live moral lives and somebody looks at you and says, man, I admire your marriage. You tell them it's because of Jesus. Or your boss says, you know, you really work hard. I, I commend you for that. Do you tell them it's because of Jesus? Or they say, I admire the way you, do you make the Savior famous? Do you tell them about Jesus? Years ago, there was a uh, dear friend of mine. We prayed together every week and he challenged me. We we're prayer partners. He said, Gary, do you have a 10 most wanted list? What are you talking about? 10 most wanted list. Who are the 10 most wanted people in your life that need to come to know Jesus. So for over 30 years now, I've had a 10 most wanted list. Praying for people in my life that don't know Jesus. One of the greatest joys of my life is to look at some names scratched off that list. Not necessarily I who shared Christ with them, but some of was you leading them to Christ. Some of was your life modeling Christ before them. Who's on your 10 most wanted list? Do you pray for him by name? I'm convinced if all the hundreds of people that showed up at TBC on a weekly basis begin to pray specifically by name for unbelievers, we might see a harvest. Would you do that? And then you remember I've challenged in the past, it's been a long time, who's your Crispus? Acts chapter 20, it says Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, he and his household became followers of Jesus. And when I've preached that passage in the past, I said, Crispus is the least likely person in all of Corinth to get saved. So who's the least likely person in your world to come to faith in Jesus? And one of my great joys is when you come to me and say, hey, Gary, my Crispus came to faith. There's a lady that comes here. She's had three of her Crispus come to faith. One gets saved. She scratches that woman off the list. The next one gets saved, scratches her off. And so I've got her praying for my Crispus right now. Who's the least likely person in your world to come to faith? Wouldn't it be amazing if we became prayer warriors for the lost? You, you go to most prayer meetings as an organ recital. You know what I mean? God, I pray for so-and-so's kidney, so-and-so's liver, so-and-so's lungs, so-and-so's. It's an organ recital. We're more concerned about the health of the believers, and believe me, I, I understand that, than we are about the eternal destination of lost people. Who are you praying for? Imagine if all of us sitting in this room started doing that right now. Evangelizing. Then somebody comes to Christ, you want to establish a walk with Christ, right? You want to help him? I mean, some of you are young believers and you say, man, yeah, you know, Gary, I hear people talk about quiet times. A quiet time to me is what happens in bed. I hear people talking about devotions. The only thing I'm devoted to is football. Deer season opening next weekend. Well, what does all that mean? We'd love to help you get established in the faith. And as you're established, you get further equipped. And by the way, you're never fully established. You're never fully equipped. This is, this is a process that's lifelong. We're getting equipped to do the good works that the Savior's called us to do. And then we extend ourselves by doing those good works. In Ephesians 2.10, he says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works he's prepared beforehand for us. Where are you serving? Who are you serving? Who are you serving? Where are you serving? See, the reason we don't hold you underwater at baptism is because God has left us here to do this, to proclaim the name of Jesus and make disciples, to evangelize, to establish, to equip, and to extend to his glory. So how do we do it? Well, at TBC, we've developed some core values. We're calling you to personal surrender. We're calling you to live an authentic biblical community, and we are calling you to live a missional life. 
That means it's not a life for you, it's a life for him. It's not a life just, you know, for a lot of us, uh, the American dream is what? The American dream is you, you, you go to school, you get married, you have a great job, you raise kids, you, you save money, you retire, and you travel. I mean, that's the American dream, isn't it? Nancy American, I, 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 how many folks have you heard say, how many folks have told me, I, I, I say, how you doing? And their answer is, living the dream. Living the dream, bro. What is that dream? I mean, really, what, what is your dream? Is that it? Go to school? Get married? Get a good job? Raise some kids? Work hard, save a lot of money, retire, collect Social Security if it's there when you get old enough to retire, and travel. That's it? Really, that's it? I mean, how many cruises can you go on? You'll be as fat as I am if you keep cruising. I mean, how many sales can you go to at the mall? Versus a life lived on the altar every day for Jesus. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Romans 12, 1 and 2, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice so you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So my prayer is that TBC will be a church filled with God's people doing what God has asked us to do in God's way. I sent an email out to a lot of folks this week and said, hey, if you were to write a letter of commendation to TBC, what would you say? And if you were to issue some challenges to TBC, what would you say? And many of you responded to that. And so much like Revelation 2 and 3, if you look at those chapters, you see uh, letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And I tried to capsulize and, and distill down some of the things that were sent to me. So Commendations, Temple Bible Church is a gospel-centered church. The name of Jesus is lifted up over and over. It's missions-minded. I mean, every penny you give to the general fund of TBC, every penny you give, every dollar you give, 20 cents, 20% of it goes to missions right off the top. You give $1,000 a month, then $200 a month go to missions, whatever it is. You give $100, it's 20 bucks a month. 20% were dedicated to taking the gospel because the Great Commission says to all the ethnos, all the people. And, and TBC is a generous body. You are generous. Nobody came knocking on your door and said, by the way, your church is uh, building a new building and remodeling existing space, and it's going to be about a $10 million project. How much are you going to give? We don't do that. We trust God to work in the hearts of his people, God's people who are supplied by God's grace and God's ways, we pray will give generously to God. That's what he does. And so over the years, we've seen that lived out in many ways. We preach biblical truth. We're not afraid to speak into the culture. We're not afraid to say, this is what God's word says. We will stand upon the truth of God at all times. You sent me these things, commendations. Our local outreach, especially in recent years, has begun to take off. Uh, we're impacting our community for many, many years. That The great news is TBC has a great reputation in our community. We say, once again, to God be the glory. And many of you said, we're encouraged all the time to minister. We're encouraged to, to be involved in administering our neighborhood, our community, our work, et cetera, et cetera. So what do we need to correct? I mean, this is great, but we need to correct. One of you said, uh, several of you actually said, don't become too comfortable with past success. God's blessed you in the past. My prayer is this, 
that our past successes will only launch us into present and future greatness to his glory. Not for us, not for church, Temple Bible Church, but for his church and to his glory. Personal agendas. We walk in with personal agendas. Hey, I'm part of the family. And if, you know, I mean, if, if somebody hurts my feelings, I'm going to leave the family. Somebody, they don't play the music I like, I'm going to leave the family. They don't, you know, have, we're in the midst of exciting chaos. We didn't have coffee out there first hour. Oh my gosh. Um, it's hard to assimilate. We're a large church and we're struggling with assimilation at times and we want to do that. Corrections. Uh, speaking more into social issues of the day. Uh, Social media, I had numerous people say, we read with TBC folks right on social media and uh, sometimes it's embarrassing. If you look around the room, we're diverse, but not diverse enough. Doesn't reflect our community. So those are some of the corrections. I pray that TBC is a church with a purpose and a people with a plan. So one of the folks we asked to write a letter to us was Dave McMurray. Dave McMurray may not be a name many of you know, but Dave McMurray grew up at Temple Bible Church. Dave McMurray grew up in a single parent home and the men of Temple Bible Church loved him. And we became his fathers. And uh, Dave became a staff member at TBC, then we sent him off to seminary. And then he came back and was a staff member again. And 10 years ago this summer when we decided to launch a church, plant a church in Colleen, uh, because we had so many soldiers coming this way, Uh, We tapped Dave McMurray in the shoulder and said, hey, Dave, we think God has chosen you to be the man to lead that charge. So we sent a pastor, two elders, $100,000 cash, and uh, 200 people to Colleen. And things took off. Now there are about 600 people worshiping weekly at Grace Bible Church in Colleen. To God be the glory. Led by Dave McMurray, and now he is a contingency of staff people. So Dave, would you write us a letter of commendation and correction? Here's Dave's letter to the saints of Temple Bible Church. I thank God for your legacy of faith in Jesus. I thank Jesus for the ways you share him in your teaching and lifestyle. I was nurtured in your community. You taught me to trust God's word, join in his mission to the world and delight in the grace he shed for me. Your biblical preaching helped me to understand that I was actually a sinner. Your obsession with Jesus showed me I was adopted by a sacrificial love. You trained me and allowed me to serve side by side with you. I saw the best of your sacrificial love and I saw the worst of your stumbling mistakes. Through these ups and downs, I learned that Jesus is more faithful than any of his churches, yet it pleases him to work through churches like yours. This taught me to be wary of human institutions, but accepting of God's patience to work through them. You nurtured me in many places, in many other, you nurtured me and many others in grace. And now many of us are partnering with saints all over the world to share God's grace in new places. As we have started new works in new cities, we've had to do the hard work of separating cultural preferences from gospel priorities. We learned this from you. Keep doing the good work. Keep working at knowing nothing except Jesus and him crucified matters. Continue to hold methods loosely and share Jesus passionately. It was you that many of us heard the Bible taught in our own language for the first time. It was you that many of us participated in indigenous worship for the first time. Every gospel worker shares the gospel in cultural context. Don't ever stop translating the gospel for the next generation and the next people group. And then he says, your evangelistic culture is a treasure to be stewarded. Your physical resources are a treasure. Through many years of good stewardship and God's extravagant grace, you've collected great resources and buildings and cash and staff. 
your greatest temptation will be to rely upon those resources instead of him. Do you hear that? Take a look around. God's blessed us. We depend upon him or our resources. Don't forget the days when you had no resources except a Bible and a passion to share it. Use your resources to share the gospel in more places with more people. Don't rely on your resources to protect you from risk, but use your resources to take bigger risk. The grace of God has given you much. Continue to spill that to the rest of the world. To the saints that I love, Temple Bible Church. What a great letter. And what a great warning. Words of encouragement, words of exhortation, words of commendation, words of correction and challenge. And my friends, all this begins with you. Because you are the church. Father, thank you. Thank you that as we unite here week after week and scatter to make Jesus famous day after day, and as we portray him year after year, month after month, Father, would you keep us on a clear pathway that honors our Savior? And Father, we have stumbled and bumbled so many times, and we've hurt people in so many ways. But our desire more than anything else is to proclaim Jesus from the rooftops and to let a lost and dying world know that there is hope. There's the hope of abundant life here and an eternal life in the future. And I pray that we will be a lighthouse to our communities and to the world and that you would be the one who is known beyond these walls in great ways as we seek to honor you. Thank you for letting us be a part of what you died for, the church. In your name, amen. Bless you.